If you have been listening to the WW Bro podcast for the last month or so, you know I have been using intermittent fasting incorporated in my wellness program. The app I've been using to achieve that, which I get a lot of questions on social media, is Fastic. Fastic has 25 years of fasting experience in the team. Fastic is the perfect companion or guidance to a healthy lifestyle. The app helps achieve your individual goals with personalized plans, motivation, and supporting groups. Fasting is a better alternative to diets. Fasting is a lifestyle. Fasting comes natural for our bodies. Back to the roots. Losing weight is a positive side effect of fasting. Far more important are the long-term health benefits. Download Fasting for free on Apple or Google Play. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 139 of the WW Bro Podcast with me, your host, Anthony DiDomenico, coming to you live every Monday night, Facebook, where the podcast is always available at www.bropodcast.podbean.com, as well as on iTunes. And please, while you're there, please don't forget to five-star rate and review. I love reading all those reviews. I love sharing on social media. I love bragging about the best podcast listeners out there, which are you guys. So thank you guys so much for the positive feedback. Like I said, we're always live here. Uh, Monday, last week was a special show. I did the roundtable with Gormy and uh, John. Definitely check that out. It's up on iTunes now as well. And, you know, I have a guest this week as well. So there will be a bonus episode Wednesday night. That you can get at Pod, at Pod, uh, not Podbean, Patreon. It's a Patreon member group, patreon.com slash Podcast, and it has the full catalog of the bonus episodes, and you'll also get access to the Facebook Patreon group, and you can watch the live podcast as well. I'm really excited about the guest I have on tonight. He's a really good friend of mine, absolutely hilarious comedian. You've seen him on Kevin Can Wait. My good buddy, Chris Roach. What's going on, pal? Hey, what's up, Anthony? How you doing? I was enjoying watching you there. I'm like, who is this guy? (laughs) Smiling and making pleasant faces. I didn't know you had such an array of pleasant faces. Everybody says that when when they do the podcast for the first time. Like, who is this guy? You know, people that know me in real life. You're very professional. Well, I, I try to be. I mean, uh, not like you with your qu- creaky chair and, and everything else that's going on over there. Oh, uh, what a mess. What a mess. Like I said, I wanted to be doing this from my uh, laptop today, but it's uh, not working very well because I tried downgrading it. Downgrading it or upgrading it? Well, no, I upgraded it to my Mac to Catalina, and it's too old for that uh, server. Yeah. And... uh so that operating system so it was running so slow so i tried downgrading it and i did all these steps and now all of a sudden it's not working well we got to figure it out we're on here and i want to thank you for doing the podcast i mean this i realized today it was like this is like the first time i'm seeing you in like six months i know right? i know it's so weird it's so weird like we have this group of uh long island comedy friends and it's so weird that I, I haven't seen, you know, you and I have texted maybe. We may, we may have spoken over the phone once or twice. Yeah. Before, have we? 
Yes, uh, we've we've talked over the phone. Um, we've texted. You said a much more pleasant over text message. So I think that's why you're you very, prefer to do that. You're a very pleasant texter. <laughs> It's uh, so weird. It's so weird, man. That's this this whole Yeah, I, I mean, you did go to dinner with Ziegler. I understand that you you know, you you did that. You didn't you didn't uh ask me to go. That's fine. Uh, I'm I'm okay with it. It wasn't my invite. See, it is Anthony. It is Anthony, I know. Yeah. There, you know, there he is. Because you knew Ziegler was going to pick up the checks. You're like, oh, you know, all right, I'll go to, go to the diet. You know what's so funny? Put extra gravy on this fry. You know what I'm saying? He did pick up the checks. I know he did. This guy is as broke as I am. Nah, he's good like that. If, if John invites you out, he, he picks up the check. Uh, I told him I'll get the next one. But it was so good seeing him and Dawn. It was so good. It, it is. Like, you, you know? see people. It's like, you know, you've been away. It's it's crazy. You know, you don't see people for a while. So you've been doing it. Our- be like, you, you know, when we had the, the three clubs, when we working at the three clubs, it was like, sometimes you can go like a month or, or or more without seeing somebody because you were working at different clubs. But then when you saw them, it was like, hey. Yeah, and we always had that, like, you know, we knew we were going to see each other at some point. Yeah, even yeah. if you weren't booked locally, you'd be, uh, you know, you get a gig on the road with them, you drive together, something like that would happen. And then uh, I could look forward to seeing you when we had the hockey podcast, which was yes. short-lived but fun. It was short-lived but fun. For you, it was fun. For me, it was it was, <laughs> it was a drag was on my gonna, Sunday. You know, and it looked like <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I had fun doing it. I had a lot of fun doing it. It was fun. We got to talk to some NHLers, and uh, it looked like I was about to take it to the next level. You know, without you, and uh, it never didn't work out without me. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, that's what happened no. without me. It didn't go to the next level. It went nowhere because yeah, you know, I know you. You're like you. You have this successful podcast and. Uh, Trusen had just gotten married and you were very busy with this podcast. So yes. I said, you know what? I, I made a call to, uh, uh, Ron Duguay of the New York Rangers and he was really excited. And I got, uh, Rick D. I got hooked up with Rick DiPietro through a friend of mine. So it was going to be the New York hockey podcast. I had a, a popular Ranger and a popular Islander. I'm like, what? Well, I wouldn't say that DPH is a popular Islander unless, you know, you get signed for 15 years and don't play. He's, I, you know, from what I understand, he took that very hard. I, I don't blame him. Listen, I would have taken the 15 years and I would have taken the money. Absolutely. Of course, but the injuries, he feels like he let the team down. That doesn't No, you can't blame all. somebody for getting hurt. I don't blame him for getting hurt. No. But that was fun, though. We had that podcast and then, you know, and then we had comedy. So how have you been doing during the pandemic? You've been, you've been surviving? Not good, Anthony. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> you, I got to tell you. I remember saying to my wife one time, if I could just have two weeks off with nothing to do, I could get so much writing done. So when the pandemic, when we first got quarantined, yeah, I was okay with it. I'm like two weeks in the house. I'm like, I'm going to get right. And I got a lot of writing done. I got, I started like three projects. That's why I'm always famous for starting projects and not finishing them. <laughs> Me too. And I started these, uh, a one man show, a, a, a new uh, a screenplay. And then after like being in the house for like two months, you start getting like, I don't know, something started to happen. I started feeling like emotionally drained from doing nothing, from not getting up on stage and and, and seeing you guys. It just, man, it was tough. It was tough because you know how it is with stand-up comedy. If you don't do it, uh, I always say, it's if, if, if at least for me, I need to do it at least 
two times a week just to stay somewhat kind of sharp. And if you don't do it for like, of course, I would love to do it 20 times a week. But if you don't do it for two weeks, you feel it. You feel it when you get on stage if you're not on stage two weeks. But now you're talking, it was probably like almost three and a half months before I got on stage. And it was an outdoor show. Yeah, so totally and, different. Uh, you know, Joel, Joel yeah. Richardson was, uh, I was looking at him. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the mic in the parking lot and people are on their lawn chairs. And I look at him like, <laughs> I'm forgetting. I said, I said to Joel, I said, what other jokes do I have? I, I had that too. I mean, I performed only once since this whole pandemic started and I, right. I, I was, I didn't know any of my jokes and I, I was telling jokes that I was telling nightly and I was stumbling through them and yes. It's it's been so I don't know like what it's gonna be when I come you know when this comes back and and it, it, when I go back full time or if I'm gonna go back full time I don't know yet I, honestly I have I have other projects I want to do um, you know I, I I think this pandemic is a big life reset for a lot of people and uh, for for me I'm like I like to think that I never took the audiences for granted that I I really appreciated them but man. Man, do I miss them? I miss them. It, it, it goes I, by fast. That's the thing. Like you know, you think about it. I, I ten years. I've been I've been doing comedy. Remember when I first started coming around? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, it's ten years, and you know, it went by wow. in a in a blink, and then it was over in just a couple of months because of what happened. And the outdoor shows are great. At least it's got guys working again. But it, I try to explain to people and why I don't like I don't want to do the outdoor shows is that there's nothing like a comedy club. There's nothing. Comedy, I always say, when I get booked privately, I said, you know, a lot of people see you in a comedy club. They're like, hey, can we get that guy uh, to perform at our Christmas party? Dennis Rooney and I, this happened to us where we show up at this. They saw me at Governor's. They really liked me. I brought Dennis with me. And we show up and the woman goes, oh, my God, this is going to be so great. Nobody knows you're here. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I said, no. The famous last words. Like, that is a kiss of death in comedy because now people are having a good time and you got to tell the DJ to stop. We got comedians. What? What? Were you what? Thinking? what? And it was just death. It was death. And it's uh, so got back to what I was saying. Comedy is so sensitive. You need it. Uh, you always need number one. You need a sound system. Number two, the proper lighting. How many shows have I done where yeah. you can't really see my face that well? That's and- a good thing, though. And my and my yeah, thank you. But a lot of my face, a lot of my facial reactions are, you know, I. It's kind of dependent. You want to see what I'm reacting to what I'm saying. I just want to put a disclaimer um, to the people watching on Facebook. That is what Chris Roach looked like before the pandemic. It did, and so it's he's that's not like he's been locked in a bunker. Just so you guys are one. <laughs> my, you know what? My sight has gone. When I showed up to. Uh, I showed up to uh, to dinner with uh, with Ziegler and Dawn, and I, I didn't realize, but I, I had my reading glasses. I never did this. I put it in my top pocket. She goes, "You look like an old man with your reading glasses in your top pocket." I'm like, "Really?" I didn't even realize I did that. I just, my uncle well, Phil puts it in like where you know the top button is, and he puts it yeah. there. He hangs it there because over the last year they've gotten it's gotten bad. They look good on you though. Thank you. I mean, I can't I, read a menu. And, Takes away from the rest of your face, which is not a not a bad feature. I got a lot of face, so I, I break it up. Got a lot of face. Put a little glasses, glasses on it. <laughs> <laughs> I try to break it up. I grew a beard, and I took care of some of the face, some of the neck. 
That's what uh, one the one question we got was from a, a coworker of mine. He wanted to know if you remember when the lady called into the podcast and X Y had such a big head. That was great. I still remember. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was Trusen's fiance at yes. the time. But yeah, I still. I still think Trusen had something to do with it. He might have, but that's when we and then we had the cardboard cut out of your head that we used yes. to. Yeah, so that was that was a lot of fun. And you had a, you had a, used to do a great impersonation of me. You know, remember when I got my glasses right here? You know, didn't we have that in the intro? Yes, in the intro music, he put I, it into the I, intro. No, and I then he did so hockey. We did hockey around the world, and he I I did the hockey oh, around the world it. intro. Yeah, that was I really enjoyed that podcast. That was fun. You used to yell at me for what I ate next door. Yeah, because you were like. You were, you were still like, you know, I wouldn't say early in the Weight Watchers. You were in the middle of it, but here you're coming in with your... Uh, I was over 100 pounds bowl. down at that point. Yeah, yeah. You were coming with your built Bars, and I'd come in with an egg and cheese. <laughs> and you're like, thanks, you always, thanks, Saboteur. Yeah, thanks, Saboteur. no, but it's... um, That's the crazy thing. Like, you know, I, I know you've struggled with uh, weight and eating right. Yes. Most of them I've known oh. you. I mean, we... We kind of bonded over. We both had Weight Watcher bits when we when I first yes. started, and it was totally different because yours was coming at the. That's what you, we were both nervous that you know if we want to show together, can we do it? But it came from two different places. Like yours was yes. more being a married man, going with your wife, and then mine was just my experience. Um, you know, as, as a single person, um, unattached, going on yes. that aspect, which is, I always thought was funny because the, the line that still sticks with me is like when your your wife gains. Two pounds and you lose three pounds, you're an asshole. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, the, rest, the rest of my night's over. The rest of my over. over. Yeah. I would, have, I would have anxiety stepping weighing in. I'm like, please. Sir. And then, <laughs> you know, my wife and I, we get a little book, so we go sit down and she's like, so what, what did you lose? I'm like, I, I don't know. I didn't look. And she's like, let me see. I'm like, no, no, it's all right. I was, I was terrified. So that's uh, real. Like, you felt, you felt pressure that you, when you lost weight. Yeah, and I Weight Watchers was working for me because even let's say I went to McDonald's, I would get like two hamburgers and a bottle of water rather than my Big Mac, large Coke, and fries. You know? Yeah. So I did. I, I may not have been eating better when I was doing it, but I was losing. Um, but with this pandemic, man, I, I'm impressed how much how you passed that plateau. During the pandemic, that's really, that's incredible, bro. I was my goal going into it. And, you know, I've said it many times on here is that we got to keep ourselves accountable because when, when we are left to our own devices and there's no accountability, the old thoughts creep in. And to to me, I I didn't want that. I wanted to come out of the pandemic being down more, you know, because it's the very, the thing now is the quarantine 15 which, you know, I feel it's very, it's unnecessary. I mean, I really felt it was unnecessary because there's, yeah. there's always going to be something that life is going to throw at you that's not going to be, you know, the way you want it to be or an right. excuse for you to go off the rails. And for me, that's, you know, I was, it was another re- reason for me to fight harder. But I had my own thing, which was exercise. I, I got lazy with working out at a certain point because I couldn't go to the gyms and I, the gyms right. were closed. And I had to discover, I had to like push myself to start doing exercising in the morning and finding something I could do at home. Um, I'm back at the gyms now. It sucks with the mask. I know. How can you go on a treadmill with a mask? I don't. But, I do cardio uh, at home and I do weights at the gym. How are you doing with the mask? Are you okay with the mask? 
Do you know what? I was in church the other day and I had it on for an hour and yeah. I, I was getting very anxious. I was getting anxious and claustrophobic, so I had to keep pulling it forward and get some air in. And um, <clears throat> but you know, with 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 not working, you know, there's a there's like a level of depression that kind of you got to fight back that sets in and. It was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I said to my wife, it's time for us to face the music and get our annual physicals. And yeah. they weren't good, bro. They weren't good. I'm pre-diabetic. Uh, Come so on, man. Immediately, immediately, you know, my big thing is immediately yeah. I stopped. I said, no, I said, no more soda. Uh, <laughs> was... You know me. I'm, a... I'm not laughing at That's that. I just That's had it. Thing. No, I just had the visual of in the green room. And you had the Heineken in your hand. You're like, hey, 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 six days no soda. And you drank the Heineken. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, so I think I'm like, I think I'm five days no soda now. But the first couple of nights, you're like, Ugh. it's Ugh, a tough. Yeah. Gi- Listen, anything that you're used to that oh, is bad man. for you is a tough give up. And. You know, but listen, I mean, you're going to, it's, it's good for you in the long run. I mean, think about it. You don't want, yeah. you don't want diabetes, bro. You don't want diabetes. I don't want diabetes. God's a bit, and this coronavirus, anybody that's got diabetes, it seems it's like it's not good. It's not, are you trying to, are out. you trying to take Wilford Brimley's place? Is that what you're trying to do? You want to be, <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> Chris Roach here. You might know me as Mott. Can, can wait. Uh, um, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> Diabetes medicine comes in the mail now. This is mail away. It comes in. Look at, look at this. It's nice. Tr- <laughs> is that what you tried to do? Replace Wolf from Brimley? No. No, That was. it was so scary. And uh, you know what also makes it even tougher during the pandemic? This DoorDash is so – It's now you have everything at it's... your fingertips. They could deliver – they, we got Carvel delivered to the I house. Know what I they know deli- they, they, could, they could deliver anything now. Any place oh. you go has either a delivery or curbside pickup. It's oh. it's it's all the, it, it, they make because well you know listen in the beginning it was man you know you couldn't go out you didn't want to be around a lot of people, and it made it easy and also what it did it allowed these businesses to be in business which is good. I mean you don't want people to lose yeah. jobs you don't want because they talk about depression. That's a you know that's another thing that happened during this pandemic, and I know you have your pod you, the podcast uh, anxiety sideshow. Yeah, which mm. well, I'm saying you started that podcast because you you do you deal with anxiety. Is that is that right? Yeah, I started to deal with anxiety and performance anxiety, and uh, you know there was like a, a there was a time where I'm like I got to record another podcast. I'm like hey, I'm too depressed. <laughs> I'm going to start the depression. The depression side show. So you do you did that podcast, but you also do with the one that that I actually people message me about because they know I know you is yeah. Long Island Explained. That one is doing really good. Um, that one's doing really good. Me and Steve Belanger, uh, you know, just trying to get more guests on from Long Island. But we always, you know, we cover a lot of topics about Long Island. Um, you yeah. know, like the Am- I always say the Amityville Horror House and all these things that I didn't even know about that happened on Long Island. I didn't know that in Sayville, there was a religious cult in Sayville. I didn't know that Nazis invaded on the, in the Hamptons. They came in, they were trying to do something like really espionage stuff. There were Nazis that land like the six of them or something like that, that lived that, that landed like on the South Fork and they came in. I forgot what their, they had a mission or something. This like is during that. like World War II? World War, yeah. Really? One of them wanted to defect, so he gave them all up. But I think they all were executed. But Nazis came in. 
George Washington was here. Well, that I know. I mean, it's always, I think any place you go, there's a George Washington slept here house. I mean, no matter what. Yeah, right. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt's famous. And you're, you know, the show you were on. Uh, Kevin Can Wait. Kevin James is from Long Island. Um, If anybody doesn't uh, know or watch the show, Chris was on for two seasons. CBS is Kevin Can Wait. Uh, That had to be, I mean, why don't you tell everybody how you got that? Because I think it's a really great story about, you know, pushing forward and and keeping what you dream. Yeah. That was, um, you know, just performing at a comedy club by my house. And Kevin walked in, saw me, liked me. And um, I didn't know at the time that that audition was the actual set I did. And I'm glad I didn't know with my anxiety. I'm glad I didn't know. I'm like, oh, it's Kevin James. I did 10 minutes and then. I did see the breakdowns come on Actors Access for the uh, Kevin's show, so I called my manager, got an audition, and got the part. But um, you know, uh, I was I was touring with Kevin. Kevin was doing that diet where uh, you eat like once a day. I remember him doing that when I was on the road with him. He ate like once a day, but it was a big meal. You do a and, it's a kind of intermittent fasting because I do. I think that's what it was. I do. Yeah. I do sixteen eighteen sixteen eight. That's the version I do. Where you right. fast for sixteen hours and you eat with an eight window, but they have ones where it's like twenty two hour fast, like where you just eat like one meal and he would he would do that for me. The toughest, the hardest thing is another thing I got to get past is going to bed uh, hungry. Yeah, well, you, you know, I mean, you, I would try this intermittent fasting that I do. I mean, it, it it's you because your body starts feeding off of its fat source at a certain point. I'm not starving at any point in the day. That's good. I mean, so that's, you know, I, I, even when I'm fasting, which is, is, is helping me, and then I know by a certain time I'm not eating after that. So my mind is not even thinking about food. That's great. So when do, do you stop eating at a certain so at a certain time? You're like, you're not eating anymore. Yeah, I, I do it mostly between I eat between 11 and 6 p.m., maybe a little after 6 p.m. And then I know once I eat that after that, I'm done for the night. And, that, and that's it. It's 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 yeah. over. That's good. That's great. You got your body used to that. Got my body uh, used like, to it, and it's. I feel better. I sleep better. I mean, if you're having problems sleeping, oh, I do. I have apnea. I have reflux. Yeah, you gotta come on. This is, we gotta get. We gotta get you healthy. We got. We gotta. Yeah. I gotta come over there. I gotta uh, yell. I, I gotta be like Mickey and yell at you when you. You're gonna have to. <laughs> I, I. Well, you know, listen. Uh, that that uh, physical was really, really. I knew it was gonna be bad, but I didn't yeah. know it was gonna be that bad. Plus. Plus, I, I'm on cholesterol meds, and I'm tired of being on cholesterol meds. You know, that's never good for your liver. You know, uh, I, 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 I said on the podcast a bunch of times, and, you know, you were around it. Uh, a lot of comedians don't have healthy habits uh, with no. to taking care of yourself because it's a life, especially if you're on the road, where it's you're in and out of hotel rooms, a lot yeah. of fast food, a lot of drinks. Uh, some guys dabble in other things as well. Yep. And it's a hard, it's a hard life. It is. I remember seeing a video of you at your air fryer in your hotel room. I'm like, look at this guy. Hey, I brought I brought my whole kitchen with me. Um, wow. I unplugged I unplugged the uh, the smoke detector so I can cook on my griddle in my air fryer so that it wouldn't go That's off. That's right. That's right. That's great. One one yeah. What you talking about the road? One one of the things uh, that I, I, that's bad that I do also is uh, I decide to eat when I'm hungry. Like I'm hungry. I want to eat now. And I'm looking around for like uh, something, the golden arches or something. 
It's it's because it's open. It's all we get out. Like I was explaining to somebody the other day, because um, I, I went to Rhode Island last weekend, and I brought all my food with me. I packed everything. I cooked. You had a show? No, I I did my podcast from uh, oh. uh, my buddy's house in Rhode Island. Okay. And it felt good actually getting on the road again. It was like you know you yeah. you planning for a, like you know you doing something creative on on the road. It was fun again. You get in a hotel room. And yeah. I drove down with a friend of mine, and I made all my food, and I brought everything with me. And that's a habit I got into being on the road um, with comedy, was that right. if I was going somewhere, I would either get a room where I had a kitchen, or I would make my own stuff and bring it ahead of time, just so I wouldn't... Because we, we get, you get out of a show right. at 12 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock at night. It's, everything's not like Long Island, where everything's open, or New York, where it's open 24-7. A lot of places close down. And the only place to eat is either Seven Eleven or fast food or something like that, and it's the worst I thing know. for you. Wawa's. Wawa. Oh, get those sandwiches with Wawa's. <laughs> oh man! But did you ever try one of those? Uh, I did it when I was used to. I was in somewhat shape in my twenties and thirties. I would do the meal replacement. Those meal services. They would drop meals off at my house, and I would have them drop off like a, a, a dinner and a breakfast. And then if you, next thing you know, you're like, you, you don't eat one dinner, so you put it in the fridge. And, <laughs> and, and by the end of the week, I have like six trays of meals that I'm thrown out. No, I never did those. I started healthy. I'm like protein pancakes <laughs> in the morning, turkey meatloaf, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it works for a while. But then all of a sudden you start getting you're like, oh, I don't feel like eating a turkey meatloaf again. And you put it in the fridge and, you know, that's. I don't know. No, I mean, well, it's it's if you stick to it, it it's definitely a, a good plan. Yeah. <clears throat> so, what do you think your biggest downfall is besides besides soda? I like mean, I know you've mentioned soda before. Like, what's like your downfall? Like, you're trying to stay on track. You're trying to stay healthy. What is it that screams out to you? Um, let me think. Well, I know what the road is with the fast food, but I think it's after dinner. That's one of my toughest points because I, I I tend to always hit the peanut butter jar. I just walk over and take like a scoop and a glass of milk and then walk away and take care of the pangs for a while. So I, I've been a peanut butter uh, addict for a while. Me too. I am too. You know, my favorite is I put peanut butter on a hot dog bun. I've done that. Peanut butter. I've done peanut butter and jelly on a hot dog bun. It's great. It is. People don't realize it. But... You know, it's like uh, it's something like before I go to bed, if I'm hungry, I'll take a little peanut butter. So that's one of my bad uh, habits. Um, yeah, that's the, the soda, the peanut butter. The late night eating is big, big. And then not preparing when I go on a, on a gig. A lot of places we go. I mean, the food's free, you know, so yes. when you go to a gig, the food's free. And I, I've talked about this on the podcast in the past. Like you, you have to, and a lot of places don't have like healthy stuff. It's right. a bar menu. It's fried. It's wings. It's it's burgers. Oh, yes. It's it's quesadillas. And I remember one time I was doing a gig. I was hosting. This is it's probably like maybe two or three years in. And I wanted a grilled chicken Caesar salad. And they told me I couldn't have chicken because I wasn't the headliner. The only the headliner got the chicken. Wow. So I was like, well, I'll pay for the chicken. I just want chicken on my salad. I don't yeah. want to, because otherwise, I, if I had just a salad without chicken, I'd have been starving, and I was trying to be good, and I would have, on the way home, pulled into a McDonald's or a Wendy's, and it would have been like, you know, 
the the scene from Fatso when he's eating the Chinese food. You ate forty dollars worth yeah. of Chinese food. It's a key, Julia. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> that's what's about to turn into with the peanut butter. You ever take a jelly? <laughs> to suck the jelly out of a yeah, jelly where, donut. He wants. Where's the effing honey? Where's the get the honey, Junior? Oh, what a great movie! I mean that that those that binge eating scene. It's it's real true to life. I mean, I've yeah. I've been through that. Yeah, and then they're all at the end. He starts crying. It just uh, <laughs> so you, you, comedy's coming back uh, in yeah, some it's, ways. It's slow crawl back. I mean, the theater gigs. I was talking to my doctor, and he said there's a vaccine that's going to be available to the frontline workers. Okay, uh, say next month or November, and it, it'll be available to us come uh like say march okay so when comedy comes back like full time it's gonna come back i think strong because i'm seeing even now the people coming out eating their launch chairs and they're just starving for entertainment but here's, entertainment. here's the thing that's not gonna last long because we're coming into the winter here and that's in, another thing in northeast too, so can't do that but uh i did i did a show uh with mick thomas we, we had a show uh, through this booker, Johnny Lampert, and he calls us up. He goes, oh, the show's on. They're not canceling. It was right by um, Foxwoods Casino. It was at a, a country club, and everyone had them. There was a catering hall. Everyone had their masks on at the bar, but when they sat at their tables, they took them off, and it was like any other show before the pandemic. That they, It was a great great experience. Mick and I both left like, oh, how bad did you need that? Well, that's you the know? thing. I don't, I don't get this this is just me not even saying comedian, just anything like as far as ticketed events. They don't want ticketed events, but you can control the amount of people you put in a spot with it. You just make thirty tickets and this those thirty tickets are gone. That's right. it. They were this gig uh there were parties sitting at the round tables, but the round tables were spaced out a little okay. more than normal. There was a good like ten feet between tables, but um you know, I think once we have a successful uh, vaccine, that people will start relaxing. Then again, you're like, I, I was I was happy to hear that it's the frontline workers are going to get it first because that gives me the confidence. Like, listen, all right, the doctors are taking it, so we can take it. You know? Yeah, if a, if a, if a doctor's taking it or a nurse is taking right. it, I feel better taking it at that point. It's like, yeah, because they came out and go, "Hey, we got a vaccine. Who wants it?" I'm like, you go first. I want to see if you would like grow a tail or something. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they're paying you like twenty bucks. Placebo or real? Is it placebo yes. or real? And everybody's just walking in like you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. So, but do you think good. you think now when comedy comes back that it's going to be that that because obviously what's going on with this cancel culture and I'm not, I'm not getting political. I'm just saying what's going on in the media when you see it, everything. That's what I'm worried about. Is that when comedy comes back, everybody's going to be under a microscope. And everything you say and everything you do is oh. going to be magnified to, like, the umpteenth degree. Yeah, that, that is a concern of mine about the, the PC, mm -hmm. the political credit, because it was there. It was a problem before. You it was know, coming. Like, it was, like yeah, it was growing. Like Jerry Seinfeld said a few years ago, he said he won't perform at colleges anymore because it, they've become just way too PC. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, there is a little something, you know, I saw a comedian, a popular comedian, she uh, posted an apology on Instagram about offending the transgender community from a bit she did a few years ago. Um, you know, Leslie Jones, 
from SNL. She said, I think she was on The View, and she said it. I, I wish I could say it as good as she said it, but she goes, a comedian's job is to get into those ugly places and talk about them. Yes. I just think if we can't laugh at ourselves, you know, then that's that's a problem. You know, I, I you know, I, I was told early on, as long as you make fun of yourself first, then you can make fun of anybody. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Know. Every comic I know, like, we, I make fun of myself. You make fun of yourself. But, yeah. And then you can get into other things. And first of all, that's what I think comedy is, is taking the uncomfortable. and t- Like you said, like, let's do it. taking the ugly in life and making yes. light of it and then bringing it out. And I think it's good for people's mental health overall. You can laugh about things. It's so, things are some things can be funny, even though if it's you know you don't feel that way. It can be funny. It can be very you, funny. You know how it is. Like when you we, we would do shows sometimes, and then all of a sudden the owner would walk in and go, "All right, uh, don't do any dog jokes because this is a dog rescue or something like that." One time I was in the uh, green room of Governors this is years ago, and the owner before the, the guys now he comes in he goes, "All right, don't do any Lindsay Lohan jokes because her mother's here." Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a... <laughs> so we couldn't do Lindsay Lohan jokes, but on the flip side of that, I'll never forget the time where uh, there was a benefit for uh, handicapped people, and there was probably like 20 wheelchairs in the audience. And they, you know, Keith Anthony goes out there. Oh my and god! To, and he was. Do, the... He did the bit about the magic spatula on QVC. Yeah. Where, you know, he's like, "Hey, come down! My father's making, and, and I can walk." You know, he's like, "I, I, I he's like, what was it?" He goes, "I." I my father has a magic spatula. I couldn't walk, but another wife goes, yeah. my son couldn't walk. He's walking around the backyard. And he goes, Timmy, screw on your legs and come down here. My father's got a magic spatula. And the people at the benefit were banging on the tables and laughing. Yeah, because it was funny. It was, it was funny. And it they was were... funny, and, and it wasn't done like, uh, it wasn't done in a nasty way. It was, you know, you got to be able to laugh at yourself, man. And I just... Uh, I don't know. That is something that concerns me. The whole PC culture is it going to get worse? Um, I don't know. So you, you were coming coming out of this now. How do you, how do you feel you you did as overall? Now, I'm not saying just help everything. Um, out of the pandemic, do you think that you are you did less, did more, or you're right where you thought you'd be at this time? I give myself a C. <laughs> a C a C minus. C minus. Um, <laughs> grading on the curve huh as far as the healthcare th- concern i give myself an f uh although the last couple of weeks was starting to, i'm starting to come out of it a little bit um last couple of weeks 10 days so <laughs> and the writing um you know I, I i've been doing this thing where i try to like i call it don't break the chain so i try yeah. to write at least 30 minutes every day the, the furthest i ever got to is 67 days i started a new chain and I'm up to about like uh, two weeks now. So, but you know, there was a there was a, a a real big bump in the road about like two three months in where I was like, oh my god, you know, it's like. I think we all hit that. Um, yeah, you know, sure. had that. Like, like, this is ridiculous. I'm done. Especially, especially me. Like, I'm like, the comedy is not there. So you know, the money wasn't coming in, and the unemployment wasn't enough. Uh, it was just getting. It was. It was. It was. There were a couple nights sitting up in bed that was scary. Like, oh my god, do I gotta like, like get a job somewhere? Like, uh, <laughs> what? 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 McDonald's? Uh, 
It's a good yeah, I'll, I'll be, you know, like, you know, I'm not knocking, not knocking working. No, I, I would just love to see what the apron and that hat on. That's, that's what I, yeah. I want to say that hat on your head. That's, that's, it's like, it's like right before, uh, I remember filming Kevin can wait in August of 2016. Mm-hmm. And you had a figure I, I had, I had very little money still do, but I had very, <laughs> I had very little money. And I remember calling my brother, who was running security down in Port Jefferson on a couple of bars. He goes, come down. I'll put you at the back door. Don't worry about it. And I'd be working at the back door. And my job was not to let any, anybody came to the back door. I'm sorry. You got to go around to the front. That's all I did all night. And I remember uh, a couple come up to me. They go, hey, uh, can we go back in there? I'm like, no, you got to go around to the front. They go, didn't we see a Westbury Music Fair opening up for Trace Atkins? I'm like, <laughs> Yes. Yes, that was me, but you got to go around to the you front. You still got to go around. <laughs> it's like so humbling. It, it absolutely is humbling. Um, this business is humbling, man. It's a business of rejection and, you know. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, I think that's another thing that made me, like, strong to do, like, this whole thing is because comedy is rejection. It's, it's nothing but rejection. And I, I oh. learned that the first time I learned that we, we had that Montreal edition yes. back in 2011. So when I came in to the green, I was the first one there, and Carl LeBove was sitting eating in the in the green room, and he right. could tell I was visibly nervous. And he goes, "You nervous, Ant?" I go, "Yeah, I'm a little nervous." He goes, "Well, don't be. You're not gonna get it." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like I just like we had I had been working on this five minutes for like a month yes. and like sweating over it. And he's like, "Yeah, you're not gonna get it." He goes, "But listen." He goes, you're going to have a million more auditions and there's going to be a million more rejections. He goes, but you wait for that one. And it made me actually feel better because yeah. it, it just took off, you know, it took the pressure off. And I went out there, had fun, and we had a good set. And and I think about that, like even when things happen in my life now that maybe uh, don't go my way or something like this, there's going to be another shot. There's going to be another chance. Always will be now. I know as comedians, at least a lot of comedians I know, we tend to have like tunnel vision. We're like, I got to get to the Montreal Comedy Festival. Yeah. I got to perform, become a regular at the comedy cellar in the city. Uh, I got to get on late night TV with my comedy spots. And I had got turned down by all of them, all of them. And late night TV, I think it was the person that, uh, the person at Fallon and maybe Kimmel and the Montreal Comedy Festival and what else did I mention? There was uh, the seller. Yeah. All had similar reactions and uh, similar uh, rejections. And they were all were, he's not what we're looking for. And that's just like a, a standard like line. Like, you don't fit a type. You don't fit a type. And what's the type? Yeah. yeah what's the type they're looking for? Is And it's... The, they're looking for a type. A certain I know they're looking for like a, a young guy, you know, yes. or something, yes. or you got to have certain hair or. Yeah, it, bro. bro it, it's, you know, so many times you're like, wow. And, and it messes with your head because like, you know what? It, it makes you feel about yourself when you look in the yes. mirror. It's like, I'm not this. And that's okay. It's okay not to be that because right. look, you got rejected from all those things, but right. you were still on network television on a sitcom for two years. I, I got rejected from all those things and I was discovered seven minutes from my house on Long Island. Yeah. Seven minutes from my house on a Wednesday night, John Trusom called me up and said, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, nah, I'm sitting watching TV. He goes, why don't you come down? Uh, Colin Quinn's working out a new special and come down and do a set. 
And I remember looking at my notes. I'm standing in the back of the room looking at my notes. All right, I'm going to do that joke, that joke. And I see somebody walk in. I'm like, I'm going to do that joke. Like, oh, my God, that's, that's Kevin James. And he had like an entourage with him. And I was like maybe 30 seconds or they were about to call, they were about to call me up on stage. Thank God I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. They were about to call me on stage. And I'm like, just stay calm. Just don't rush. Stay to your cadence and just do, do your thing. And I went up there and I did it. I didn't get to meet him because he left before yeah. the show was over. But uh, little did I know that that 10 minutes changed my life. Because even though listen, the show's not on anymore, but he still used me as he still uses me as his opener. Uh, I've become good friends with him and his brother. And, and his, 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 in fact, I worked with his brother last weekend. And uh, I, I've been getting up to the plate for better audition there was a great show i auditioned for oh my god it was about uh it's it's coming out soon it's a school teacher that uh in the south i guess in the early cowboy days she's (laughs) thinking she's she's thinking she's thinking she's going to teach kids yeah it turns out it turns out it's all the townspeople who have no education oh that's great and i man did i fall in love with this part (laughs) and i I went to the city and I worked with an acting coach. I went to her house, her apartment, in the village. And I went to, uh, even before the audition, I went to and took another acting class to work on the lines a little bit. And there's something like a lot of times when you go for auditions, you feel it's already casted, but they're going through the motions. Yeah. And it felt like that. But I'm like, all right, I still had a good time. And I just looked online. I think the part went to David Allen Greer. Um, <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> you know, look at it. it's like, you know, yeah, it's like a legend. And, and but that, uh, obviously it's like they're not what you're not what they're looking for. They're going with David Allen Greer. Yeah, right. Obviously, yeah. It's like that part in Swingers. Uh, you, you audition your brother and like a little bit old. But look young. How old is Big Brother? Eleven. Oh, <laughs> that's another thing that's happening with the acting. Um, there's a lot of self-taping now. So the next room I set up a camera and everything and then a lighting and I just do my audition at home, which is great. I don't have to drive sometimes, you know, an hour to the city and parking or taking the yeah, train. It's easier to do at home. And you get to do a lot of retakes, which sometimes that can be too, not good, but um, it's been different. Yeah. I, I can imagine. Well, everything's different now. Everything's, but, uh... but yeah, we, I think we were initially talking about rejection. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it still hurts. It still hurts, but you, you, it does. you get, you get, you get, I don't, you almost get, you do get used to it in a way. You do get used to it in a way like, all right. Uh, well, you have to have a thick skin. I mean, if you're oh, going to be in any kind of business, like show business to. or anything. And I think it prepared, it prepared me for, you know, when things don't go my way, like in my personal life, it's, it's like, you know, yeah. because things aren't always going to go the way you, most of the times things don't go the way you want it to go it's it's and even like with this whole pandemic i think maybe as comics you know we're i think even you know what we have what we love was taken away from us but i think our mindset and our perspective is like okay big curveballs thrown it's almost like a life reject you know it's like a big everybody's everybody's in the same casting call got rejected everybody's shut down it's like rejected but again you know you're just talking about cancel culture uh you know, God forbid, like, look what happened with Louis C.K. Yeah. And uh, even still, like, he did a reset recently where he just got a, you know, he told the booker, I'm just going to show up. Don't tell anybody I'm coming. But, 
you know, that's another story with him, but you know, I'm saying you got to watch what it's another podcast. Start, <laughs> yeah. That's another topic of podcast. But you start thinking like, what did I do uh, 23 years ago that could come back today? Well, well, you have to think about that. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, it's funny. Um, on Facebook, they have on this day. And sometimes I'll read things I wrote or wrote to people. I'm like, well, thank God I'm not famous. I guess. <laughs> that before I knew I was going to have any kind of success. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, you know, because it's funny. Because, um, uh, you know, because of the podcast I do, and, and um, I am and I, I am more positive these days about my, my outlook of things, but you guys have known me for a long time, and McKenna always says, like, I'm going to tell them all. I'm gonna t- if they only knew, if they only knew. And it's funny because people go, I can't believe that you – People can think that you're not pleasant or or you're mean or anything like that. That's uh, uh-huh. it's like the secret like that you you guys have that that no one else knows. Yes, look, anybody could be anybody could fake pleasant for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> do you have like a favorite thing? Because uh, some of the comics have. I always ask, do you have like a favorite thing that I did of like not pleasant? Like does something stick out to you? Uh, sometimes when I'm sitting in the green room, I'd watch you. Like maybe some of you know, like a newer comic would ask you a question and you would just shut them down in such a way it was like, oh god, so painful. Oh, so pain. one day didn't somebody ask you about like the ink on your tattoo and the guy he's like, something that you have to use a lot of ink. And you're like, yeah. no. no. So, so this guy was trying to be funny. He was it was right. it was it was at the open mic. We were all doing a guest spot. We stayed after the show. And we were doing a guest spot on the open right. mic. And the guy, I was talking to some, I was, I think I was talking to Ziegler about I wanted to get a new tattoo, and he thought he'd be, and I hate this when comics try to be funny in the green room. Just It's the worst. It's the worst. That's not where you're funny. I mean, we, we, no. we break each other's balls, but like, you know, you don't run material in the green room. It's so he, he, he goes to me, he's like, so uh, I guess you're going to have to use more ink. And I'm like, why? Why I got to use more ink? Well, I'm saying whenever I see you in those moments, it's almost to me, it's like, Joe Pesci, like, what, 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 a, I, do I amuse you? I didn't let it go, and I said to him, I showed him my, I had a tattoo, I, I put it to his arm, I go, that fits on your arm, right? That's not too right. big for your arm, right? And he's <laughs> like, yeah. And he's, like, he's like, he's looking at other comics, like, to help him, and they're like, no. <laughs> you open this can of worms. And I'm like, so I just want you to explain to me why I would need more ink for my arm. I said, are you trying to be a funny guy? Is that what it is? You're making a fat joke, funny guy? Do I amuse you? Ziegler one time, we were outside, we walked outside Governor's one night, and there were people from the show with that, in the audience, and they oh. go, they go, hey, you know it'd be funny? I'm like, what? And they go, if you two traded shirts. I'm like, well, why would that be funny? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's you. That's and, then, and then Ziegler was like, oh, just let it go, let it go. I'm like, no, nah. I said, well, I want you to tell me why that, and I, to, I, I would want them to tell me why it was funny. It's Joe, it's Joe Pesci. It is, uh, you, I've seen you do that over and over again. <laughs> But I remember, uh, you know, so I, I, I remember some of your pet peeves that one thing you hated after shows when people came up and poked you. Yeah. They felt like they felt like you were the Pillsbury Doughboy. They wanted to poke you. And that in what crazy. world? And that, you know what I said about COVID? I said, one thing I like is that I don't have to be near anybody. No one touches me. No like, one's shaking hands after the show for a while. I, but I didn't mind shaking hands. But what gave people the right to come out and poke me and prod me like I was an <laughs> animal, like at a zoo, at a petting zoo? I see it a few times that you're like, no, don't do that, don't do that. I, 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 my, I think that if, my patients were getting thinner and thinner with that stuff. That maybe I think quarantine was uh, just <laughs> saved me from going to jail. There is, yeah. That was, I remember even before the quarantine, I used to shake hands after shows, but 
I always knew once they had the audience up, like, I got to wash my hands. Or do you have Purell? I got to, you know. Yeah, I mean, because you don't know who you, I mean, that's the thing. This is, you don't know who you're touching or anything like that. I remember a guy came out to me one time after a show and he goes, is that, this is when I was heavier, um, no, over 200 pounds heavier. And he said, "Um, is that a, is that a suit that you're wearing? Is that a fat suit that you wear? I go, no. I said, that, is that your face? Is that your real face? I said, you walk around with that face? And he was, <laughs> and he just walked away. He just, I mean, I had, I had to stick up for myself because at certain points it was just like, I, I, I you know, if, because when you're on stage sometimes and you're heavier, um, I hear comments from the audience. I mean, they think we can't hear when we're up there. Right, they think they're watching TV. Yeah, so you know, you hear these comments. I guess you already, I know you already have a ton of insecurities, and you're making oh. fun of it already. I'm do, I'll do it. I'll, right. I'll yes. address it, and we'll get past it, and then we'll have a good time at the show. That when somebody comes out of the show and then does something like that, it just, it's, it's a breaking point for me because you know, it, it's uncomfortable for me to talk about it on stage because I'm not, you know, I, I never right. was comfortable with it. Right, and they think they think that. Since you opened the door, they can, and it's that's not the they, case. Yeah, they think that once you open the door, then you can go ahead and you know you can joke about it. But oh. here's the thing, you know what? And most most people who are overweight, they grew up being bullied, and have a lot of issues with that. I was lucky. I I didn't get I didn't get bullied a lot. I you know maybe it's because I had a sharp tongue, and if somebody said something, I could immediately just you know shut him down again. But like, so it was always a very sensitive topic for me. You know, even like, yeah. Oh, you're a comic. I was thinking, Oh, you're a comic. I said, what does that mean? I got to be abused after the show. Right. Like it was always somebody's thing when they came out and they said something and I kind of gave them like, I was like, they're like, but you're a comic. Oh. You can't take a joke. I'm like, no, I can take a joke. if It's funny. I said, you're not I funny. Seen it over. I seen it over. And one time you and I was sitting at the bar in mid show. <laughs> <laughs> And some guy, some drunk, obnoxious guy comes out to get a smoke. He, he's walking out, and he looks at you and goes, Hey, Ralphie May! And you're like, what, what do you mean, Ralphie May? I don't get it. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Also, I was like, this is uncomfortable, so I'm drinking my beer. But it's like, here we go again. Here we yeah, go again. I mean, it's just, it, w- it was those things that would really get to me. Um, yeah. Especially as I started losing weight. Because it was like, okay, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I don't need this now. I don't. This is when I don't need it. You know what? I would. I. I always noticed that people would say to me, "You lost weight." I'm like, I don't lose weight. I may be talking to. Maybe I have a Weight Watchers bit because that's two years old. But yeah, I haven't lost any weight. They're like, "Oh, you look good." I'm like, "What do you mean? I put on eight pounds." What do you mean I look good? What did I look before? I look better now what with eight mean? pounds. Yeah. What do I look like? What do you mean? How, how do I look like before? That's how you would answer it. Uh, yeah. What do you mean? I look good now. What, what, what I look at before? No, no. I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh, hey, he's a big boy. He can, t- you know. <laughs> he, can handle, he, can, he can handle himself. Yeah, no. Do you know what? all wrong. I tell people what I miss most about comedy is is the green room, is yeah. us like you know going at each other and and. I tell people the most vicious place and it's all out of love is is a is a is a green room. Oh yeah. Even like, uh, you know, even like when my mom passed, it was like. <laughs> I remember that. It was, it was vicious. It was absolutely no one, vicious. You know, even when my mom passed, it's like no one let me mourn. You know, no. it's like, like, 
Like I remember one guy going, it was like it was like the next day, and they go, oh, "Are you still? Are you still? How long are you gonna drag this mother thing out?" You know, it's like, yeah. it <laughs> the next day. <laughs> and then my roast. Oh my god! When Rich Walker made the comment about my mom with my dad in the audience, I was like, "Rich, oh god!" Yeah, that... they, they don't they don't stand the comics we have. That's the way we deal with darkness, death. I have to. Some of those comics didn't have senses of humor. I still get, I still oh. um, hated over a joke I told that night too. So, what? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, but it's just roasts are like that, man. They're like that. Your roast was fun. That that was a fun time. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. I have I have a picture that I love. I'm making you and Joe Star laugh, and to me that was it's an awesome picture because like when I first started, like you were the guys, like you know. Oh, you gotta send me that, please. It's tagged in a million times, but I'll send it to you. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so be- before we wrap this up, um, you you want to plug your podcast or anything uh, where they can listen, where they can follow, well, find it? Well, I have the Long Island Explained podcast. That's, that's It's a very interesting podcast. Um, today we aired the episode about Richard Angelo. You, you may be too young to remember, Anthony, but... He was the angel of death. He was a guy that worked at a hospital and killed like I remember. I heard about him. Yep, like twenty plus patients, and 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 he used to live behind my uh, my aunt, and sometimes he would come over between the bushes and play badminton with us. So that was when we were kids. <laughs> you knew so him. I, I not. Knew what him, I'm saying, you played you. I played badminton with him. And I, I thought about. Um, I, I said to one when I put out my uh, CD, Roach Motel. I'm like. How about this for a title? I played badminton with the Angel of Death. Is that a... <laughs> anyway, so that, that's that one. And the other one is, uh, you know. It was Good Samaritan Hospital. That's right. Yeah. But I thought he was just, um, I didn't know until we did the podcast, I thought he was just euthanizing them, which is very common. But what he was doing was was uh, bringing them to, bring to like the brink of death by injecting them with something and trying to revive them. He had that hero complex i've heard about like they they said people like you know that, that's com- it's more common than you would think in hospitals that people have like they want to be the hero so they bring them to the yes. brink of death and they bring them back you saved them you saved uh, them you know, i guess it's good practice so do you I do guess. yeah and you have the anxiety side show which they can still find the, that right the anxiety side show yeah that's uh uh you know <laughs> it's something anxiety and it's on the side so it's just a show you know What's that science show, show, you know? I mean, how long do you give a podcast? We'll talk later. Like, you know, how long do you give a podcast before you're like, ah, it's really not getting the numbers I thought it was going to be? <laughs> depends. It all depends. Um, and where can they find you on? Tell everybody where they can find you on social media and your website and everything as well. Oh, uh, so on Instagram, it's uh, Roach Comic. Don't bother about Twitter. I'm not a Twitter guy. Okay. Uh, even though I have an account, but that's not my thing for some reason. But Instagram, Roach Comic, or my website is chrisroachlive.com. All right, and you can find, you know, Chris is uh, back doing comedy, um, doing a lot of gigs for Soul Joel, who, you know, I'll give Soul Joel a plug. Definitely check him out. Google Soul yeah. Joel if you're in the Pennsylvania area. He's putting a lot of comics to work, and he's, he was working really hard to get guys working, and you got to applaud someone like that. Yeah, yeah. He, t- he took a piece of property, he poured beach sand all over it, yeah. and started doing these beach shows where he had like 400 people. Sh- there was 400 people at the show he did with Gary Valentine. That's awesome. So, uh, Chris, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. I, I really oh. appreciate you. It's good seeing you again, buddy. Uh, these are the night. That's the nicest thing you ever said to me in 10 years, but thank you. <laughs>
now, now say goodbye and let me now say goodbye to your fans and let me speak to Anthony. All right, I'll talk to you in a few minutes, Chris. Thank you so much for doing the show. That was Chris Roach, everybody. Uh, that was episode, also episode 139 of the WW Bro podcast. Definitely check Chris Roach out, Chris Roach. Um, you can check his Instagram, Roach Comic. Google him, Chris Roach, chrisroachlive.com. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at WW Bro Podcast, myself at Comic Anthony D. And as always, you can find the podcast at www.bropodcast.podbean.com as well as on iTunes. And please don't forget to five-star rate and review. I love reading and sharing those reviews. There will be a bonus episode this week on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. We are played in and out each week by Hollow and their single, Something to Believe. This is also available on iTunes. My best friend Nick wrote this song. Check out his new band, Demon Scar. They just dropped a new album on demonscar.bandcamp.com. You can get it for just a dollar. Why not do it? You don't have a support, Nick. Give him a dollar. There's only one place to go for your deli needs, Long Island. That's Finn's Deli, 4646 Merrick Road in Massapequa. Tell my brother Mike you heard the plug on the show, and then get yourself an Uncle Cheese, the best sandwich there is. Once again, I want to thank Chris Roach for being a guest. It was awesome chopping it up with him. I haven't talked to him literally face-to-face in almost six months. And I will talk to everybody next week. Have a great one.